Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast. Uh, today, we are going to pick up where we left off last time with addiction and um Last time, we kind of finished up with uh, the hope and healing that can come from addiction. And one of the things that we, we're going to touch on, we're going to use Jordan's expertise here today and uh, experience, and we're going to talk about uh, addiction to pornography. Now, Jordan, uh, pornography would be a process addiction, right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. You want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So we, uh, you know, I know we talked last time about the maybe the difference too in addiction as far as you look at the, the chemical addictions, uh, such as alcohol and substances, versus the process addictions, which can be uh, really can be anything. Uh, behaviors, um, you know, uh, the ones that are noted as, as mentioning you've got you know either sex addiction, food addiction, gambling addiction. There's all these different. Uh, forms of process addiction, uh, and specifically trying to look at uh, pornography, which is a branch of sex addiction. Uh, so, as Chris said, I you know that's one of the things I kind of specialize in here at my uh, my private practice in Arkansas um, is I work with with sex addicts uh, quite a bit, um, and so I'm a, a certified sexual addiction therapist. Um, and probably over the last I'd say I don't know five years, that's probably been a big thrust of what I work on is trauma and addiction, um, and so. Beginning to kind of look at at pornography addiction, we you know, it, it brings to mind uh, just you know one of the things that I, I I tell people a lot that you know in our society, it is so hard to get away from anything that 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 revolves around sex addiction. I mean, if you well, think, they market it, right? yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so um, I would I would uh, just point out advertising. Absolutely, you know, there's. They're they're selling sex. Yeah, you know, a lot of times it seems well, to me. Well, and I think about it. And I know I know you've got you've got kids, Chris, and I, I do too. You know, and mine are mine are pretty little at this point. But it always brings up for me as a parent when I'm watching TV. I mean, right. it's like there's very few things that you can you can leave the TV on, and, and because of commercials, right? You know, exactly. it's not it's not even maybe necessarily the content of the show, but it's the commercials, any sporting event. You right. know, if you're watching football, you know, and uh, you know you come come across, and there's the you know, there's the ads. Right. One of the things that's uh, kind of interesting, and I don't want to stray us off topic here in the first three minutes of the podcast, but one of the guys I used to teach with told me a month or two ago that um, a colleague said to him he had noticed a, a real reduction in 
PDA in the hallways, public displays of affection, right? And the, the guys aren't uh, grabbing the girls as much or, you know, they're not, uh, and I don't mean that in an assault kind of way, but they're just not as flirty. They're not as interactive and touchy boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing uh, as they used to be. And this colleague said, well, you know, isn't that a good thing? And my colleague that I taught with um, as well said, you know, they don't need, they don't need each other anymore. They got porn. They have porn. And, and so uh, while, you know, that's probably not the case in every kid in the hallway, right? But it certainly changes things when people have access to this pornography in their phone, you know, a lot of unlimited data, that kind of thing. They're watching videos. You know, they're not making relationships. Well, it's very interesting you bring that up because it's like the, uh, what we think about today when we're looking at teenagers a lot, uh, you know, is, is looking at this lack of, or almost a lack of, but communication has changed. Right. I mean, it, it is more of a, um, you know, I know we joke about this with each other sometimes. We'd rather call. Right. But most, most young, that's not what they want to do. They don't want to do They want to text, right. text, you know. And or so, snap, Snapchat. Right. right. And, it, and it brings up just the, 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 uh, the difference um, as far as just the way culture, you know, handles the, these issues. Cause you know, pornography specifically, you know, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a buddy of mine who's a therapist and I think he, you know, he, he had written something about, you know, this is not your grandpa's porn, you know, and it, right. it's, it's talking about just the difference, you know, what pornography was in the 1970s, eighties is way different than what it is right now. Right. Well, um, doesn't in, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk out of, out of my area of expertise here, but um, doesn't uh, watching pornography change the brain structure? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There, so maybe talk to us a little bit yeah. about that. So there's, there's studies out there, and then they're still ongoing, too, about how um, just the changes in the brain that, that happen. Uh, one of the things that, uh, and I wish I could remember right now who kind of coined this term, uh, but it was actually coined, I believe, in like the 1940s, but it's the idea of neurons in the brain in uh, the idea of what, what fires together, wires together. Okay. And so when you're looking at pornography, um, here's the thing. Um, here, here's the addictive part of it. The dopamine, they call it dopamine potentiation. Uh, it's extremely high. Uh, in fact, it's it most. I think it's been correlated before to um, to studies that indicate with like drugs, like crystal meth or things like that, methamphetamine. So before, giving giving the same high. So yeah. before you go any further, dopamine what? Yeah. yeah. Dopamine. Dopamine potentiation. So is what dopamine they call it. dopamine potentiation. Yeah. Is in layman's social studies teacher terms, yeah. It's, what it's, it, it's going to be? The, the, it's the effect you bre- get. It's the effect you get. Breaking okay. it down, dopamine. Just it's, it's a huge. It's a it's a um, it's a neurochemical. So right. it's going to be the, just this huge feeling, a good feeling a good that feeling. you're going to yeah. get. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, which brings up the addictive nature because for that, anytime we've got something that has a huge surge of dopamine or any of the neurotransmitters that are that are pretty potent. Um, it's going to be, you're going to have a, a good potential for an addiction to right. develop. Okay, good. Because it's a good feeling. Right. Now, in other words, too, I mean, there's good things like exercise, things like that, that can also release different chemicals as well. But right. the point being, it makes, it makes pornography very addictive. Um, and the, the way that it's done these days with phones, with laptops, with the, the, you know, you know, they call it, uh, Dr. Patrick Carnes. He's the, what I call him the guru really of, of sex addiction, mm-hmm. um, treatment. And, uh, Carnes will call it the triple A engine, uh, which is access, anonymity, and affordability. When those three things are present in a 
somebody struggling with a porn addiction, they've got all three of those. Because you think about it, right? I mean, it's like access. Well, who doesn't have access in our culture to to, get right? Uh, Anonymity, getting online, getting on a computer, you can be anonymous, right? right? Or at least... The facade of being anonymous. I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. Argue that you can't be tracked because right, okay, exactly. we know you can. Exactly. But um, and then the affordability part, and that's what's changed so much over the years. You know, back when when we were growing up, I mean, there'd be things like Playboy magazine or you know these different magazines or you know stuff like that that would be right, out printed, there. printed <laughs> that you had to buy. Right, you you to know, pay. so so as when you say that, let me just ask you this question. I heard and maybe you, maybe you can enlighten me. I heard recently that Playboy magazine is no longer putting pictures in it. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? I've heard that. Yeah. Is that true? Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I've heard. I just I, yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Okay. It, it would make sense to me that that's right. the case because, I, I mean, I don't think that would be the thing to be selling, you know, as we, much these exactly. days because you can get it for free. Right. You know, right. and so the whole, that whole system's had to change um, over time. And so... The bottom line, I guess, behind this too, uh, is, is we, you know, uh, and again, this is one of these topics we could we could spend a lot of time talking about. I'm trying to hit the high points of it, but right. the the big thing that I think to to look at um, when looking at sex addiction and porn addiction is, guys, this is not something that's going away anytime soon. Right. Um, the advent of our access to information, our access to really anything we want at, at a, you know using the Google, you know, so it's, right. I mean, you can just find, you can find anything. And so in terms of, you know, recovery, we know that, uh, generally speaking, people addicted to drugs or alcohol, something like that, a lot of times, not always, there's some precipitating event, you know, that causes a bottom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they crash their car, they have some accident, um, their spouse threatens or does actually divorce them, um, you know, a breakup, something like that. What makes a person come to you? Is yeah. it simply the fact that they can't not do this yeah. behavior? Usually two different two different types that I see probably come. There will either be the one that they've been busted by their spouse. Um, obviously, that's going to cause a huge rift in a relationship or, or can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one you know, the sort of the external motivation from a, you know, from a spouse or partner. And the other is, you know, sometimes I will get young guys or, or, or girls that will come in and they, that they can't seem to put it down. Okay. You know, I can't think of the number of people that, that come in. It's just like, I just can't stop doing this. Right. You know, okay. and, and maybe those people realizing that, that, okay, this is a problem that I can't, you know, I can't just walk away from it. Right. You know, same as it would be with a chemical. Would be with anything. Yeah. Right? yeah. Cigarettes yeah. or right. whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, not necessarily, you know, it's kind of the, the joke is they have a stopping problem, mm-hmm. right? Can't stop, can't stop starting. That's that right. Kind of thing. That's right. right. Yeah. And, and not to take us down a, down a different road, because I know we could, we could go down this path too. Maybe we will at a later time on the podcast. But um, when you look at things like, you know, I, I, we all know that looking at stuff like serial murderers, all that kind of stuff seems to be a point of interest for a lot of people. Like, you know, I saw the other day Netflix had like the Ted Bundy files or something on there. Okay, right. Um, But anyway, if you look at a lot of their stories, pornography was a huge part. And I've heard that, yes. um, That was was the case with Elizabeth Smart, right? I think so, yeah. If if I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 So um, in terms of, you know, we are talking about resilience here on our podcast, at least we try. Um, what what sort of things hope resilience that's in in that theme you know what is there for a sex addict for a porn addict is it just like any other addiction 
in a way, cold, it, quit cold yeah. turkey and right and try. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it is and it's not. I mean, I, that, I know I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth here because the, are you an the, economist? The, think about it. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I might be a closet economist. Yeah, right. Know, so. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, there's uh, there there's treatment. I will say that. I mean, that's one of the biggest things with hope. And, and I mean, I think that uh, over the years, too, people recognizing that hey, this is a thing. You know, it's because it's very interesting in our field right now. There's those of us who like absolutely see this as an issue and a thing. Mm-hmm. But I will I'll tell you this: in the DSM, the thing that we use to diagnose people, it ain't there. Right. Um, also. I can tell you that in my office right now, uh, Psychology Today, there's an article in there about sex addiction pointing out that they don't believe it exists. So there, there's a war going on a little bit just in the circles of mental health trying to define is this, how far can we go between right. is this an addiction, is it not? I mean, you kind of know where I'm coming from. I'm in the camp that believes it is um, a problem. And so, uh, but I will say that, that that's kind of out there. So that being said, a lot of the hope is in treatment. I mean, there's there's great treatment centers out there that tackle sex addiction as a primary part, and they see pornography as a part of sex addiction. Again. Right. So, well, I find it interesting that the DSM, which remind me what the DSM stands for. Yeah, it's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Okay, good. So the DSM is up to what five editions now, mm-hmm. something yep. like that. So the DSM does not have sex addiction. Uh, at listed as a uh, as a real addiction, yet Correct. there's treatment facilities out there treating. Correct. <laughs> okay, so yeah. and and at some point in the podcast, we will talk about uh, you know one of the effects of trauma and addiction is divorce. Another issue um, that's getting more attention is parental alienation, mm-hmm. also not in the DSM five. So yeah. that you know, I'm. I'm saying well, that, as I say in Arkansas, I'm saying that to say um, not everything's in the DSM. Right. But it doesn't mean it's not there. Well, and, and you're going to get me started on this role of like, and I'll try not to, but, you know, as we talk about trauma here on our podcast. Right. Here's the thing. Not everybody that struggles with trauma is going to meet the criteria for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Okay. Well, that, unfortunately, that's like one of the only ones in there that to diagnose trauma. But we all know trauma is a problem. You know, I heard it in a training last week. You know, it's like you know, we need a diagnosis that is just like an umbrella. Well, yes, we do. Yeah. We absolutely do. Sort of similar with addiction. Aside you know? from PTSD. Uh, correct. Correct. And that's the problem right now because with the DSM, if you look through it, you're going to see all these different diagnoses for every drug I mean, that you can possibly think of. Right. But sex addiction won't be there. Gambling addiction is. Interesting. But... Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, treatment, treatment is going to be one of the number one things. And honestly, treatment looks very similar, uh, to what it would with a chemical addiction. There, there's, uh, there's, uh, group meetings, uh, there's SLA, there's SLAA. What uh, is that? Sex, sex, sexaholics anonymous. And then there's sex and love addicts anonymous as well. Uh, and so that's SLA, um, so there's different uh, there's different groups out there, um, you know, uh, that, that'll be out there to help. Um, right. And so, and you know, there's a lot of therapy out there too. So recovery can look very similar to how it would with a with a chemical addiction. Okay. So do you think, and I, this might be a loaded question, um, giving my given my experiences with um, Danny Heinrich, yeah, okay, who molested or attempted to molest uh, multiple young boys in yeah. my hometown, went on to uh, kidnap, sexually assault another boy, and then, of course, um, sexually assaulted and murdered Jacob Wetterling. Um, is that sex addiction? Is that pedophilia? Is that, you know, what are the statistically, 
what are the odds of a person like him being helped? Well, and I think we can, you know, it's a difficult question because honestly, it's one of those things we, we don't know unless we're working with him or right, we know what's right. going and on I, in the I, brain. And I, and I should clarify, I don't mean to put you on the spot no, regarding no, no, no. a specific case. No, but, but, but I mean, but, but, I but think they're out there. They're out there. Well, yeah. and I think the thing we could say though is, I mean, look at what, look at the ramifications of what happened there. There's right. got to be something tied. It goes back to the neurons. Right. Firing and wiring, right? right. Uh, and so we know, you know, uh, with, with with people in brain brain chemistry that there's going to be something to that. Now, the thing about it is, as you classify, like, you know, what is a pedophile? What is a molester? What is a reenactor? You know, there's like these different right. Right. different terms. You know, we know with the pedophile, they've usually had hundreds of victims. You know, it's it's a thing of you know, right. um, and, and kind of kind of different. You know, to me, the thing that underlies all of that is there's got to be trauma at the center of all of that. You know, and and that's the hard part I think to look at when we look at some of these like heinous crimes that have been committed out there. Uh, trauma's got to be at the root, even for the the perpetrator. Right? right. Well, and it's you know having gone through what we did in in the, the mid '80s, the thing that I have kind of come to realize, accept so to speak, is that I don't believe he was created that way. Right. You know, I just don't, and and it doesn't it doesn't take away what he did, but I don't believe he was born like that. And, and so it begs the question: What life experiences led to that? Right. You know exactly. what what happened? Exactly. What what's the story? Right. You know, yes. there's got to be a story there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. and we find that out as I mentioned before with like things like looking at Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer and these people that created these you know big time crimes. Right. You know, over the course of time, it's like pornography again was a part of that right. for them. And right. so, you know, I guess my, my point with all this and trying to speak with this topic is number one, it, it's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I think we can at least say that. Whether whether we want to have the DSM or not, there's a problem, you know, out there with it. Right. Um, and back to the brain chemistry question, does it change the way people interact? You know, we know with things like the you know, the Me Too movement that happened, you know, as far as, you know, there there's attitudes that guys have you know, um, that, that have been had for a long time. We're starting to see change in different ways. Right. But I think one of the biggest things we have to address is this this particular issue because it affects not just men, not, it, it affects everybody. It affects families, it, relationships, it, absolutely. everything. Absolutely. Right. absolutely. absolutely. So. Well, good. Well, um, on that note, we're going to pick up next time and um, just know that there's hope out there, as Jordan says. I mean, there's uh, treatment centers and facilities and, and therapists like him who specialize in this area, and um, it's up to uh, individuals to seek that, seek those opportunities. Yeah. Guys, hopefully you got something out of this today. Like I said, like Chris said, there's, cha- there's, there's hope for change with everything. But, hey, we, we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you, uh, hope you get on your, your wherever you get podcasts and be sure to subscribe and uh, give us a give us a rating on there if you can too and and uh, like our stuff and contact us yeah. we're, we're uh, our website uh, upstartresilience.com you can contact us contact us through there and uh, upstartresilience at gmail.com have a good week this podcast is made available by upstart resilience llc for educational purposes only as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.